Welcome back to the High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan, and I'm Darren. I'm Duncan. And uh, it's been an interesting week for Duncan and I uh, in, in uh, Louisville, Colorado here, um, and that's sparked a uh, topic idea of uh, preparing for the worst. Um, this mm-hmm. is preparing for extreme weather or extreme weather events and how to protect your system in these uh, situations that are extremely common from thunderstorms to hurricanes to other types of weather events that may harm your equipment. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyways, Duncan, uh, I'm going to let you start off here. Uh, this may not be a standard, uh, what's up with us, but, yeah. um, I'll let you start off with what's been going on over right. here. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I do want to say thank you to all the podcast listeners that um, know that we are in Louisville, Colorado, and been watching the news and saw uh, everything that happened. But um, yeah, this week's been different. Um, not as much audio stuff for very specific reasons. Um, on Thursday, we were sitting, uh, I was at my desk in my office and a bunch of South facing windows and, um, it was 1130 in the morning or something like that. And I noticed that, um, the sun changed colors, you know, um, out here in Colorado, this year has been great firewise for us. I mean, we really hadn't had much anything. Um, but last year we had a lot of smoke and ash that came from California fires, uh, Oregon fires, um, and we had a, a number of them ourselves. So it was mm-hmm. just kind of like a constant where you'd see the everything get this amber glow or <clears throat> you yep. know, you'd just be looking around and or you look up and it's just a red sun, you know, and you just well, there you go. Yeah, we had that one fire that uh, actually threatened North Boulder. Yeah. Um, there was one close, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And there was a Cameron Peak fire and there was the giant one that ripped through Estes Park. That might have been the same one. Yeah. Yeah, no, that wasn't Cameron Peak. That was a different one. Um, anyway, yeah, so there was quite a lot of area burned. Last uh, year was nasty yep. for us. Um, this year was was great to the point where we just forgot about it a, a bit. Kind of got well, it's to the winter. Winter, yeah, yeah, it's got winter. all the way here. Unfortunately, we hadn't had any snow uh, this winter. We had one dusting, but um, really nothing since you know no moisture really since October and. It's been, I've been thinking about it with my garden and stuff, you know, being so warm, you think, well, I got to water these trees and stuff or give, give these plants something, you know, they're all dead from, we did have some frost, but anyway, so yeah, um, bit of an abnormal winter for us cause it's been real temperate and, um, extremely dry. So I'm at the desk and sun changes colors. It turns just everything turned yellow just yellow yellow in the house and it was it was nice it was like it would be when you know at at dusk or something you know as the sun's setting um that kind of light but it's 11 and my six-year-old's nearby and and i mentioned to her that's very that's strange Uh, i'm gonna go check that out and i uh i look through the window and i see uh clouds moving over the sun and it's just like huh but you know that shouldn't turn it colors that's that's odd i opened the sliding door and you could just smell everything you know um so i actually live on the 800 block of mulberry street um 
which ended up getting absolutely hammered by this thing. But we're really close to uh, McCaslin and, you know, close to the 36th exit. And, and so um, my street really points at the, where it started. And so <clears throat> looking at it and uh, it's very, very windy outside. Um, we just recently, two weeks ago or three weeks ago had the, uh, the most sustained winds or something. Um, do you remember that day? Yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was just crazy winds. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness nothing happened that day. Um, but it was, it was getting similar. It was, it was real crazy gusty with a very sustained wind. Now, when we get a snowstorm, uh, the front moves in and it just blasts us right with a ton of wind. The storm usually hangs out for a bit over the Flatiron Mountains. We have this called the Front Range. They're not really mountains, but other places in the country they might consider mountains. But they're, it, it hangs there. The winds blow out, and then the storm finally moves in and just hunkers. Um, that's usually the way things go. And so this was preceding a big storm. And, um, yeah, you're looking outside, and you're seeing just tons of gray smoke. And so you know that a fire's going. Um, but you know, judging distance is really tough and because it was moving so fast, it seemed like it was pretty close. So, um, my wife actually has, um, a pretty decent fear of fire and always has. And so we've developed this instinct that whenever we feel weird about a fire situation or anything like that, we throw on the scanner. We try to, you can Google the local scanners. Usually the county, county dispatch is better than any kind of local fire, you know, um, dispatch or, or radio that, that you can find online. So I was right away on the Boulder County, um, police and fire dispatch and listening to it. And, and, um, and so I was inside again, talking to my kid and saying, you know, oh, they're saying it's at, at Marshall and Marshall Road, which we take a lot to go to Boulder and Cherryvale. And so, you know, we know that that is, I told her that's where your, your outside, you know, group was hanging out, um, at that ditch and in, in that area. So, you know, those poor people, they're losing their homes. You can hear them. They're talking about structures on fire and, and it's terrible. And so, um, it was really cranking and then really started descending into the street, uh, at the street level, uh, just to smoke instead of just going straight up and past. So then I went into the, the front yard and, and my neighbors had come out and we were all standing in the street and I had a scanner out and, um, my neighbor Ed had a scanner out and we're talking about where it is. And none of us were thinking anything beyond that. We're just thinking mm-hmm. those, those poor people, you know, of course, so we go inside and I'm listening to the scanner and it, I mean, wasn't, it wasn't 10 minutes later. It was just a handful of minutes later when they said that it was at the back of Target, Costco, um, Marshall's, there's another, there's another building over there, but it's this giant, you know, mega strip mall in Superior. So, and this is miles away from where it had started mm-hmm. and this was minutes and mm-hmm. there's grass between there. There's a few houses. There's a few cottonwoods and stuff, but not many trees. Not. But there's a neighborhood, though. Well, there's Old Town Superior, and, yeah. the, and and there's there's houses along Marshall, and then th- there's a little more sparse houses up to the back of those 
buildings, but then it's a, south it's a of little that, neighborhood, like a little yeah. subdivision that's behind. It was that Costco the first and, subdivision that got that got whacked. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I guess got, I started, it was a hundred percent loss. Yeah, I started hearing those go up when we were evacuating, which wasn't much longer. Because as mm. soon as I heard that it was at the back of Target, mm. and that they were considering they were evac- trying to evacuate those people, they yeah. were in those areas. That's when we split. Yeah. Um, and so it was super early. We got ex- extremely lucky that we were actually paying attention and listening to the scanner and yeah. that, um, and my wife was really adamant that, that we go. And she actually went the opposite direction to go pick up our baby cause he was at a babysitter, but she just wanted to have him, you know, cause she just got right into, um, fight or flight mode. And so it was just me and the kid and, uh, Marley, my six year old. And so. As soon as I heard that they were evacuating those uh, that area, I decided to leave, and that's less than a mile from from me. So we, um, again, we're just not thinking that it's going to be anything big or that it's right. coming right yeah. at us. Right. Um, so we didn't grab like anything. Grabbed her, the dog. Um, that's about it. I said, you know, once you get a book or something, I brought my laptop and my um mouse because i was busy working and i there was this thing i had to finish i i worked for the music room and i had to get the email prepped and ready for you know friday and um we had a team member that was gone so i had to kind of do some things that i wasn't used to so i i just needed to be able to keep working on this just a little thinking that what was going to happen was going to happen the whole time listening to the scanner and it's just this was maybe two hours before they centralized command and moved all the communication off to other channels. And so you really got the actual on the ground information right now from the scanner. And it was scary. There was, there was engines that were, that were coming in on their mics and yelling and saying, we're getting overrun. We can't do this. We're, it's too hot. We got to leave. Um, there's, there's people, you know, there were a lot of reports of people who had just had surgery and couldn't leave and needed help to get out. And, and, you know, they were focusing on that, but then you started hearing the first one I heard was vehicle. Well, the first ones were structures on fire and, and Marshall, but in our area, the first was a vehicle on Dylan and then, an, and then a structure and then another structure and then another structure interspersed with all these things like, you know, this person needs to get out. This house only has a 10 year old and, He's scared and can't get out and all this stuff. So it was chaos. At the same time, they were immediately knew how bad this was and they were drawing in resources from everywhere, all the way to, to Denver. You know, um, the the engines from Denver came later, but they were pulling from Thornton. They were pulling from Aurora. They were, they were pulling from everywhere that they could. And so you would hear these engines come in at different times and need assignments. And it was so chaotic. They, they didn't have assignments right away. Um, you know, and then you'd hear somebody, um, come in and just yelling and like, we can't, you know, it's, it's, we're, we have to pull out. It's, you know, it's dangerous. And, um, then you have the random guy with an open mic and it's everybody yelled, turn off your open mics. So it was, it was pretty chaotic. And, I'm I'm thinking about do I you know should I stop listening to this because am I just scaring the kid and ramping up the adrenaline and you know I'm just pumping we're we're driving away we're not encountering traffic at this time 
um, which is incredibly lucky because a lot of people later were so jammed up in these only conduits out that that in in many cases there were flames licking cars there were crashes because people couldn't see because of the smoke lots of crashes because of smoke so we were um incredibly fortunate to get uh this jump on it i think while i was evacuating while i was driving i either i called you or you called me or we'd been texting or something you contacted me first yeah i believe yeah so then you t- yeah, go ahead and take was, over from your experience. There. I was at PS Audio. Um, I was on my computer designing circuits, um, yep. and it was just a you know a very windy day. Um, and we have those every now and then, you know, in in Boulder. And um, well, uh, the I uh, I was just was I actually had to go on a. Uh, make an errand and i was thinking oh i hope this wind dies down in the next like 30 minutes so that i can go and uh go out there and and drive because there were some gusts that were definitely i could tell were hurricane force gusts that we were cranky. getting and i was kind of like ah, i'd rather that you know settle down before going out and drive and um and so i googled the weather and uh, one of the first hits on Google was uh, Superior uh, in a uh, mandatory evacuation. And I'm kind of like, huh? I'm like, that's that's really weird. That doesn't make any sense. I don't, uh, for what? <laughs> right. For wind? <laughs> right. You know, I didn't even know what right. this was about. And, uh, and then I read and I was like, a oh, fire. And so I went, uh, I just left the the lab and started telling people about it and they were like yeah the the fire that's burning up near superior right now you should go upstairs and look at it yeah because you have a multi-story building yeah and we how many stories three uh no two okay and uh but there's a um there's a a building that that uh, or there's a window that faces south in sales mm. mm-hmm. that had a really great view of uh it actually no this actually was uh kind of a southeast this, yeah, this okay, window right. um and a really great view of you know marshall and and superior area yeah uh and so we were uh so i went up there and i saw it and i saw massive flames from boulder so you could see the flames because you were on this side you were on the other side yes of the fire yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I, I could. I see, couldn't because it was just smoke. You know, I could see massive flames from Boulder. Wow, massive flames, and and you could see it burn. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, at that point, you could see kind of where it started from there, and you could see where it was. And this was probably around uh, a little bit after one o'clock at this mm. point. So this was you're already evacuated by the time I. I found out about it. So I'm like way late here. And I'm thinking with this wind and the flames that I'm seeing, how the heck are they going to stop this? Because this thing's going to burn wherever it wants to. Yeah. Uh, in this wind, there's if you no looked way at the of stopping wind, it. Early reports were saying, or uh, I, I like weather underground and I like the 10 day forecast because it shows you the wind pr- prediction and it wasn't supposed to come down at all until 5 p.m. You know, and you're looking at this happening and you're like, 
Oh no. So, so that's the, when you actually texted me Yeah. or you called me, I just, you know, it's weird. You just can't remember these right. early events because everything's so chaotic, but you, you contact me and you told me that, uh, that not just Superior was under evacuation, but Louisville was too. And that, uh, that Costco and Target had gotten hit. Now, um, in Superior and Louisville are right next to each other. They're yeah. really just bisected by US 36, and that's it. They're, right. So one side's Louisville, one side's Superior, and there's the corners of each. And I have to be honest with you, there was a point, I was just in denial that it could go further than that. You know, mm. I was just kind of, I just don't, I don't None have much experience with wildfires. Gonna... I didn't understand. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, it's just hitting concrete now. There's roads. It can't jump a road. I knew nothing about, you know, about wildfires with this kind of wind. You know, I was like, oh, it's just not, it's, it can't jump McCaslin, you know? And then, but then I did say in my mind, I said, well, if it does jump McCaslin, we're screwed. Yeah. And then it jumped um, 36 as well. And and then it wasn't, uh, and it just, it progressed. At that point, it progressed so quickly because yeah. we had the news on at that point. And, uh, and I was watching Dylan Road Burn, which is not far away from my house. No, it's and not. And so Dylan, Dylan was very scary because it was kind of the path to my house. And it jumping McCaslin made me worry about your house. Um, and then from there on, it's just quite simple. Um, everything just got worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse. And the thing that you thought wouldn't happen happened. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I left work around four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching Harper Lake, um, area Harper was getting, uh, just absolutely yeah. lit up. Um, and that is right around the corner from our houses, uh, not far away from Duncan's house at all. No. Um, and at that point, when I left work at four, I, I was uh, heading to Paul and Terry's for the night because I couldn't come back here. We were evacuated. I couldn't take anything from my house. Right. Um, all my stereo gear, all of my... My uh, special documents couldn't didn't have any time to take them or Nothing. photograph any of it. Uh, by the way, I had crap clothes on for that day. I didn't even dress nicely, so I didn't have yep. a pair of nice clothes. Um, and uh, and so by the time I left, I was I'm gonna be honest with you. I was about a hundred percent sure your house was gone. Yeah. By the time I left, and I was about seventy five percent sure my house was gonna be gone. Just based on um, the way it was spreading was through these open spaces with grass right. and embers. And there's so much open space by your house. Yeah. Um, right. And then my house, I, I heard the first uh, the first time they said a house on my street on the 800 block. So right. my part of my street was on fire, um, was 230. And right about then they were mobilizing the central command at Flatirons Mall. And, and just previous to that, there were a couple of 
uh, radio announcements of please don't report any more structure fires. We get it. There's nothing we can do. There's too many. Right now we're focused on trying to get people out. And nah, then someone would come in on the radio. No. no. Someone would come in on the radio like there's a structure fire. They're like we know there's nothing we can do. We're focused on this. And so uh, that one, the first one on Moldberry was one of the last houses structures that I heard was, was going. And um, so that's very concerning yeah obviously um yeah we bought our house in february and um you know a lot of these houses in this area were big and so there's a lot of fuel and uh made for some spectacular flames man the the harper houses that are in the they back there are huge uh there's like 50 foot flames coming off of these things yeah and watching the news so by the time so we escaped to north Lafayette to uh, my wife's parents house and started watching the news and somehow the, the, watching the the video feed on the news was worse than the scanner adrenaline wise well yeah I mean because especially the fact that the worst that I saw on the news was Harper Lake yeah and Harper Lake was at least in my mind it was the route to your house and yeah, and then Dylan was the route to my house. And so I was just, I don't know, none of these areas looked good at all. And um, I just, you know, I was just 100% sure that we were going to lose both of our homes. Um, so we just, I don't know how much news you watched. We watched a little more and then decided we just absolutely couldn't stomach it anymore. That was me. I, I felt that way. And my in-laws kept watching and... We we kept watching at Paul and Terry's, but we um we ended up uh, shutting it off as well, and then we went uh, downstairs to Paul's theater and we watched uh, Don't Look Up, an apocalypse movie, uh, an apocalypse movie, it's yeah. Terrible. And at the end, where uh, well, I don't. That's a spoiler, but anyways, then's not a great end ending. <laughs> And uh, Paul turns to me and goes, maybe that wasn't the right movie for no. tonight. <laughs> no, if you're trying to forget about what's going on or get but, your mind off it, that's for sure. You know, I went to sleep. How did you sleep that night? Um, well, by that time, you know, you're getting tired from the adrenaline of the day. And you've the way I handle disaster is is actually really calmly because if there's nothing I can do, then there, I do yeah. whatever I can do. So we split right away. We got safe. Everybody collected. I finished mm -hmm. my email, my job while I'm listening to the scanner and telling my uh, mother-in-law when I hear a new structure is on fire and we find it on the map and we're just like, Oh my God. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Harper Lake images were pretty, pretty tough, and kind of yeah. brought that back up. That was a tough, but tough to see. I just kind of watch it blankly. If there's nothing I can do, there's nothing I could do. So I just kind of let it come or whatever. And so mm. um, I had, I, I was more concerned, I think, about my wife's kind of feelings and stuff because I know that she's got the deepest fear of all this stuff, and. Um, and so I would walk to the other side of their lake where I could see a decent view of the whole plume, which never stopped. I mean, the wind just kept coming constantly. And it was 10 p.m. before yeah. that thing got knocked down because there wasn't wind and the firefighters were actually gaining, putting these things out. Um, 
at 10:30 or something. And so, you know, I was out on the balcony at 10:30 just looking looking for the smoke that was there before cuz I had I had rested a little bit and then I kind of went back to sleep. I slept okay, I think. Um but I did start kind of mulling around. Okay, I got to know. I got to know. Right? I got to figure this out. Going to get dinner, trying to stay busy, going to get dinner for everybody. And you called me with some great great news mm-hmm. um from a source that you had that had access to some um live satellite imagery and um and he was kind of looking out for us and trying to figure out where our houses were and give us some kind of peace of mind, which was yeah. huge, you know, cause we didn't have anything to grab onto at that point to figure out, you know, yeah. So my question mark. Yeah. So my uncle in, in, uh, Canada, he's actually located in like Western Ontario and he, uh, worked in as a, um, firefighter for wildfires for, many, many years and is now retired. And so he kind of got on all his resources and was able to look at some hot spots. Um, that, that just, he gave me some really great news, which was that, um, he, he kind of told me what actually happened, what ended up happening as far as like where the fire died out. He was correct about mm. it. But after he told me about that, he said, but this could be outdated, this mm. information, you know? And mm-hmm. so, even though I, I was like very, very relieved. He actually is the one responsible for my like four to five hours of sleep. You yeah. know, it wasn't the best sleep, but yeah. actually I got to sleep and he was responsible yeah. for that. Yeah. And it was so nice of him to do that. Um, but we still knew that there was a chance that all this information was outdated yeah. and some of, you know, some of Louisville was more than what we thought was, was actually completely. I knew of only burnt. two structures on my street that, w- that were announced burned because they stopped reporting it. People yeah. were evacuated. Well, so you just don't know. You don't, I mean, it. the whole neighborhood could have been gone. And at that point they're just letting it burn. Right. Like they did with many neighborhoods. And they were doing that because the winds were just too much to try to fight it. It was just been a waste so, of resources and dangerous. So anyways, so, so we, we go to sleep and then I wake up and instantly I'm just like... You and I were up at 5, 5.30? Yeah. And instantly I'm just like... Um, did you text me first or did I text oh, you Oh, I texted you first yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I was like, uh, let's go in. Yeah. Were you going? You know, and I was just <laughs> thinking, uh, is he even going to respond? You know, like maybe he's asleep and literally like just like like eight to 10 seconds later, yeah. he's just like, yeah, I'm thinking about going in. Is that crazy? And I'm just like, no, yeah. like I'm going with you. Like we're both going in. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And, um, and so I hopped in my car and rode down Arapaho, uh, street. I'm, I'm again, I'm going from like West Boulder yeah. all the way to, um, Lafayette. You had a long ways to go that you yeah. made actually in good time. And, uh, and I'm passing all these cars on the side of the road. Some are wrecked from the traffic the last night. I think it was a lot of are, I think a lot were, oh yeah, you're right. Like as far as causing wrecks, people can see. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also a lot just running out of gas because just sitting in traffic for so long. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so just passing all these cars on the side of the road and, and all this debris everywhere, um, it's just wild, you know. I just as I approach Lafayette, you could just tell that uh last night was just mayhem. Um 
And, uh, and so, yeah, we, we met up and then we drove into Louisville. We hit my house first and nothing was blocked off. Cause it was before, right? It before was dawn. way before. Yeah. And national nobody, guard didn't get here yet. They were all exhausted. Any, yeah. We, so there was nobody around. And, and so got to my house, my house was safe just like smoke, um, smoke inside, and you had a bunch of soot um, in your fireplace. You know, some you like soot, yeah. But your flu it, that's open. pretty much pretty much it. Um, and then so then we we both headed out promptly to your house. Yeah, and your house was pretty much like my house, uh, just a little bit more extreme, like more more soot, uh, more smoke. Well, you turn, um, it's, it's really tall. So you turn around, yep. you know, I'm coming the corner and I can see it from the turn. It's just like, you know, just a breath. It's just like, yeah. thank goodness. Yep. Uh, yeah. We were really happy there. to see your block still there, like, or that area that still part there. part of the block. And so <clears throat> we, we knew that the down the street got hit. So after we cleared your house, we left. We walked. And we walked about, all it takes is about 30 seconds to 45 seconds. Yeah, it's like 10 Around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was nothing. It's all gone. It was gone. The street that I like know really well and places I walk the dog every, all the time. And yeah, it's so weird that permanence thing. You know, we started as a baby with peekaboo and you know, or it's so weird for us to, see something that's there and then it's not there right and it just jogs you hits you a weird way and uh yeah man you mean the dog and we're walking up and it's uh, nobody's there because they spent all night trying to put these out so everything's smoking there's one still on fire right next to us yeah yeah we're having a coffee we're we're drinking coffee and we're nobody's around you and there's a house on fire and like the part of the uh garage or something the, like the ceiling or the the roof or the roof on like or the ceiling of the of the uh first floor is like you know kind of falling down and moving while it's burning and we're just sitting there and uh we're just we just like hug and we're just like holy crap like that was super close and it's like a out of a movie where like how many times in your life do you get do you, are you in a situation where a house is burning in front of you with nobody around? No, you know, you're not calling 911 for fire, fire, firemen to Burn get cars here. in the street. And I mean, all the other just, houses a, were so, they're just full of ash. They're pure oh, ash. it's just Nothing gone. left. Nothing left. Craters. There, there's some, you know, car that's completely burnt out in the middle of the street. I mean, it's just, it's out of a movie. That's what it's like, you know. It's, yeah. And uh, sadly for me, I was pointing out some of the people that we knew and our our friends, you know. But I don't, I, I know them all from their daughters, right? Because I have a six year old, and we live three doors down from the elementary school and uh, Fireside Elementary, and so we know all of these six year olds, these kindergartners throughout the neighborhood. Four on our street, on just right there, you know, one over the next street, and. um so I'm just pointing out there's Vivian's house, there's Lulu's house, there's Kala's house, you know, and, um, and they're gone. And so you just think you just feel for these people. Mm-hmm. And so then we, we take the cut through 
there's a pass through between two houses to go just to the next street over where you mm-hmm. can get to this grassy area where I walk the dog with this really awesome winding trail that takes a while. And that's our favorite walk in our, our, you know, there's, um, Lila lives over there and her family and right up on the grass and that, you know, the grass was the reason that all that caught, you know, from just being so dry in the embers. So that whole cul-de-sac, including her house, was totally gone. Man, so, we were just walking back there. Yeah. You and I just went on a walk back there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not long ago. And that's where I, that's just where I go yeah. um, all the time. Mm-hmm. Actually, every time we do a podcast, I go home, I set up the um, the program. I have two processes that I have to do. The first one is um, a main sound edit, and I usually do content at that time. A lot of times we don't have any cuts or anything and we just set it to go, but it takes an hour and a half to go because I do it at a really high rate. And then uh, the second one is conversion to MP3 and the addition of the other stuff. So there's two processes, but I start the first one and then I go take the dog on a walk and it's 1130 at night and there's, I love it because there's nobody out and I take a beer and I go out on the trail and just do the circuit and, you know, maybe the process is halfway done or something like that but this is every tuesday so this is our our place and um yep it's all gone it's all gone so but um since then you know um someone that did reach out to us uh shared his experience um with the sonoma fires in in uh in california and very very similar kind of experience you know your friends lose places and so you feel some measure of guilt for still being here mm-hmm. you you immediately want to do something but you know everybody's reaching out to you you know everybody's reaching out to them too and you don't want to burden them but you want to help but there's nothing to help with right away and you know we've been going through all of those things and then we got eight inches of snow and single-digit temperatures with no gas and electricity in our houses. So I spent the whole weekend winterizing and then dewinterizing the house and then waiting for... And it got cold again, and, but our electricity came back and you were freezing in here. I was so cold in here and I was like trying to... I was trying to keep the house warm by you know keeping a fire on on limited wood so i wasn't it wasn't like i was able to let the fire roar i was kind of just like feeding it slowly to space out the amount of wood i had and and then um had some space heaters and i turned on all the audio amps in the house Mm -hmm. uh, to generate some heat um but but i was cold um i i was feeling pretty good about the temperatures as far as freezing pipes go here yeah I was like keeping it in the upper forties, but it was just as far as like living here and sleeping here, I was pretty cold. It's miserable. Anyways, so uh, long story short is uh, we're here, we're here, but it was one heck of a week. One heck of a week. One heck of a week. It's still Um, going. I mean, yeah, I slept three hours last night because I woke. I slept in the wrong place near a vent that I didn't vacuum out enough, and I got my. Now his throat was sore and sinuses all plugged up, you know, and I, I don't know. We're just dealing with it. Um, so got a good weekend of work, uh, getting soot out, got to, um, 
do some donating and um, get some things together specifically for one family that we're close with. Um, you know, we're talking about maybe going back and trying to sift through some ashes for some mementos and stuff when we get a chance. We've got another snowstorm tomorrow and it was too, it was super windy today. So, you know, uh, just doing the one step at a time thing. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of audio. What's up with me lately, you know? Yeah. But I gotta say being away from the system and worrying a lot about the system and then not having internet for so long, we got electricity and gas before we got internet. And, um, which I guess makes sense. It's kind of priorities, you know, but for me, I'm just like, I need, I would really, it would really lift my spirits to be able to listen to music while I was at the house trying to deal with things and clean, you know? Um, and so when it came back and really yesterday afternoon having a little time and then today, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, coming back situations like that when you're away for a little bit or you think you've lost it and and you didn't or something, you know, things kind of are magical again, man, I was listening to SPL right. amp and the preamp and the whole system today. And actually I had a little tube noise that I, and then I spent an hour scraping with my op and L knife, these NOS pins. And I've never had my amp quieter now than ever is full tube amp. Nice. And, uh, Gosh, it's just magical. Right before I came to do the podcast, it sounds so good. It's been nice. on for a long time. So. Awesome. All right, so well, let's, let, let's get to that. We'll wrap that up. Yeah, I have a, let's wrap it up there, and then uh, let's get to some questions here. And um, We're going to hit two questions this week. Yeah. Um, we got a bunch, and um, and again, we got a lot of people reaching out, and we, we appreciate every single one. I tried to respond to everybody. Um, kind of letting them know that we were okay and all that stuff, but, uh, did get a couple great questions. We did save some from last week, like we mentioned. And, uh, so let's get into those first. Um, we're going to just actually answer two today. Um, and then go into this podcast topic about, um, you know, what to do in a situation like this or Mm -hmm. situation like many different situations that are experienced that could threaten your audio gear. But our first question comes to us from Greg Sullivan. Does Greg tell us where he's from? No. Um, And Greg sent this uh, right before Christmas. So apologies, Greg, for the delay, but did mention that uh, we were going to get to it last week. And so here we are. Um, I like this. I I love questions that uh, begin like this. So I'll just go ahead and read it here. Darren and Duncan, I am relatively new to the world of hi-fi and have learned a lot by listening to your show. While I don't fully understand everything you discuss, even as an engineer, you have expanded my awareness of the endless depth of this hobby. I recently bought a house with a large living room that will become my primary listening space. The room is 17 feet by 19 feet. That's awesome. With a ceiling that slopes front to back from 9 feet to 12 feet. Also really awesome. In addition, the room has a very large opening on one side to another large room. I'm in the middle of assembling both a two-channel system and a home theater system for the room. The components that I have so so far for the two-channel system are a shit VDAR amp, a Blue Sound Node 2i streamer, 
and two SVS 2000 Pro subwoofers. I'm also thinking about adding a shit Freya Plus as a tube preamp. My main question is about what main front two speakers to buy. Given that I have the low end covered with the two subs, it would be ideal if I could get a set of bookshelf speakers to cover the mid-range and high end. My significant other would appreciate that as well from an aesthetic standpoint. However, I hear repeatedly that if you have a big room, then you need big speakers to fill it. Can you recommend some bookshelf speakers to complete my two-channel system that would also work for the home theater, or do I need to step up to something larger? If larger floor-standing speakers are needed, can you talk about the redundancy in the low end that results in having both large floor-standing speakers and two subs? In other words, how much should I care about the low end of large floor-standing speakers? I usually listen at low to moderate levels, but I also like to crank it up at times. You should also know that much of the source material that I listen to is live concert recordings, like the Grateful Dead tapes, derived from two-channel soundboard mix recordings and audience mic recordings of varying quality. Well, some of those can be bad. Uh, While That was my addition, by the way. Uh, While thankfully the days of listening to fifth-generation cassette tapes are behind me, the sources I often listen to are not pristine recordings of the type that you guys so often fawn over. My initial budget is around $2,000, but I would consider spending more if needed. I just mentioned the the audience recordings can be bad because sometimes it's just a handheld, you know, zoom recorder or something. And somebody posts it to internet archive, which it's nice to have that recording, but then you play it back. It's distorted or it's just the spectrum is all kind of wonky. The soundboard mixes obviously are better. Anyway, that was Greg's email. Thanks, Greg. So we were talking about this. First of all, you love his room. So do I. Mm hmm. It's a great, great dimensions, great kind of feature of the sloping roof. In there, there is a aspect to which, if you have a sloping roof, nine feet to twelve feet, the smaller end. If you have the subs at that end, you you can build up a bunch of pressure um, right there. It's a little bit about like a compression chamber. Um, just something to think about if you were thinking about having those all the way to the back. But yeah, and you can uh, you can really have some awesome sound and. In a yeah, room like that, and, sure. and especially it being open, uh, you're probably going to be pretty good bass-wise as well. Well, that's a good point. One side opens up, yep. so you have the pressure release. Yeah, so there's just many things going for this room. Right. One thing that's not going for this room is that you're going to need a speaker that can move some air um, and not create distortion. You didn't say where you're going to sit relative to the speakers, mm-hmm. but the assumption is it's a pretty big room. Yeah, so probably some distance, a little bit of yeah, distance. Yeah, and even in these bigger rooms, as far as like bookshelf speakers go, I just haven't had much success no. uh, compared to larger speakers um, in big, large rooms. Right. Um, larger speakers are just uh, like, meaning I'd say, you know, three-way speakers um, are going to be able to output higher SPL at a lower distortion just mm-hmm. by their nature. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I do recommend going towards a a larger speaker rather than a a smaller bookshelf speaker for this uh, for this room. Um, the other thing that I'm taking into account is that is that uh, a, a system with good musicality might be really important. 
Um, I'm very familiar with a lot of Live Dead. And even though some of it can be recorded quite well, uh, you know, it's not uh, like, you know, audiophile uh, recordings, you mm. know, and you still want, you want a system that's just going to kind of work with the music and not work against the recording, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So you don't really want, you know, mastering speakers for super revealing for, for listening to uh you know live dead for instance you want something that kind of boogies you know something that's kind of kind of warm and and a musical um rather than something that's kind of sterile and and bright and really revealing um so uh so my recommendation my top recommendation for this price range which is two thousand dollars of uh uh is is actually the vandersteen 2ce uh speaker signature uh for for that price um and if you can make a stretch it would be to go to the vandersteen 3a signature speaker um and these are that one these are speakers that are that can pressurize a large room like that they're uh all first order uh crossovers in them so they're they're uh, phase coherent and they're also time aligned for um as far as the the driver uh the drivers go so so they they have some interesting qualities about them they image really well uh very dynamic um can play reasonably loud given that you you give them some good power so uh this is what i recommend i mean just for the money and for the type of music uh i think that uh two ces would be really would be really fun for that for that price now you were wondering now the three A. I can't remember if the two C E had a bottom firing woofer, but the three does, and uh, significant or it could be just out the at the back near the bottom. But there's there's a a woofer involved that that can kick out decent bass. You're talking about a vintage speaker, so that's just as someone with a lot of experience with used products, you always want to check. Um, mm-hmm. the condition of that woofer and kind of feel around to the, to the foam and see, is it, is it, um, still pretty good to the touch? You can get some that, you know, have been refoamed. That's kind of the main, the main thing that I look for with those speakers. Other than that, they really stand the test of time really well. Yep. Uh, and, and, and like you said, they're phase coherent, they're time aligned. There's a lot of fun, great audiophile stuff while also having that, that boogie factor. Yeah. And they, they won't completely tear up the recording or the what's in what's in front of Agreed. them um but they're also being they won't be you know colored enough where it just sounds mid-fi like real you know certainly they re- walk that line certainly really well. have a a great revealing quality about them that allows them to sound stage that allows them to have dynamics that allows them to have you know exp- expression so um so yeah that's just my that's just my recommendation for a large room uh on a budget um, and also very readily available. I mean, they're just very easy to find on the used market. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, um, the the appeal for significant yeah, others. that's the downside to it. There's it's, just a big rectangle covered in a gray yeah, sock, a sock or whatever. Yeah, it's Now, some great. of the 3As have nice wood touches that, that still look nice. I, I did a video actually not long ago with a pair that was really uh, 
captivating. I mean, it's just like the wood was in great condition. The gray was a specific gray that really kind of was classy looking. Mm-hmm. Thought it was nice. That was the three A signature. Um, and these what circa mid nineties, something like that. Uh, the signature and then the the three A. So you know um, they they made it past that. And they made it for a while though, right? They the did make the signature. For I mean, a while. into the right. early two thousands even. But the, um, but yeah, anyways, it, you know, my, if you may not want to hear this, but you know, if it was me, I would just, I would try to save up just a little bit more money and I would spring for the three A if it was me. Yeah. Just because of the, the bottom end on the three A. It's going to do a scale got a lot thing. more, a lot more extension on the three A. Now your second question about, well, I've got these two SVS subs and mm-hmm. would I be overloading? Um, what you can do is think about the subs then as, as really using them more for what they're designed to do, which is sub base, not base, you know, um, bring that mm-hmm. crossover down. Yep. You don't need to worry about the mix too much. Just worry about what it sounds like to your ear. If if you're paying attention to the subs when they're on and when things are going, then there's usually an issue. If you can just, just back them off enough so that, you get this effect that you're like, wait, was that from the speakers or was that from the subs? You know, now you're cooking with gas. Of course, you might want to change a setting when you're listening to a movie with explosions. Maybe, maybe it's mixed higher. Maybe it's mixed lower with the assumption that you're going to have an LFE channel going or something like that. So you're going to run into these classic two way system versus home theater system conundrums. Because you might want to be feeding it a an LFE as well yeah. as a an RCA, and it, you know it's tough to make all that work at the same gains yep. too. You know mm-hmm. the gain, gain structure to be the same, but um, but you certainly have some great ingredients. And I also love yep. the the shit Freya pre, uh, Freya Plus Pre to get tubes into the mix because tubes plus that VDAR amp is is a nice mm. combo. Nice. So and and those are I think six S and seven. Those are six S and seven pre the Freya. So it's one of your your kind of jams, you know. Yeah, cool. That's a good little system. So thank All you. Right. Yeah, that's Greg what for that's what we recommend. Awesome room, you know. I mean that's awesome right room. there. Envious that's, room. That's a that's more than half of it right away. Yep. The fact that you have a nice room. Yep. Right. Killer and and uh, hopefully an understanding significant other as well, and. Once you get it dialed in, I mean, this is the, part of the key is when you get it sounding great for movies and TV, um, there's a lot more acceptance factor for things that just look like big rectangles that are sitting there, you know, yeah. instead of some of these nice curvy little bookshelves that's, it's, um, it can, it can be overcome by, by making it sound good and, and impressing oh, yeah. that way. Yep. Best of luck. Okay. Our next email is great inspiring interesting we had to read it to anyone else who would like to send us a question our email address is hi-fi at outlook.com we'll take questions tips uh music recommendations all that kind of stuff anything hi-fi jokes yeah admonitions um that kind of thing we've been admonished before in a joking way (laughs) mostly jokes we like jokes uh, this comes from Harold Mueller from near 
uh, from Germany, close to Munich. Uh, awesome email. I'm just going to dive right in. Hi, Darren. Hi, Duncan. I live in Germany, close to Munich, and I am a big fan of your podcast. I would call myself an audiophile. I own and build hi-fi equipment since my youth. That's more than 40 years ago. I've built a couple of things, including several speakers, passive and active. However, in 2019, I encountered an MBL speaker at a hi-fi fair that captured me. I I, I bought the speakers and have changed almost my whole system. Before, I had a couple DIY active speakers. But since then, uh, since then, and I am pretty much enjoying it. I still cannot refrain from DIYing cables and tweaking components. Hey, you and me both, brother. It's it's hard to refrain from DIYing cables and tweaking components. There's something about that. <laughs> Just having a little measure of control, even if you found some great stuff that other people make. But uh, The main components in my system are currently... His source and DAC uh, are an Oppo BDP-105 uh, universal player, heavily modified. Uh, the main mods are from a German guy who was well-known in one of the German hi-fi forums. Main mods are clocking, improved output stage, including taking two DAC channels per left and right channel. Okay, so he's maybe adding DAC chips. That's interesting. Um, or maybe different outputs on the existing chip on the on the player. A Furotech IEC inlet. Ah, I like those. LPS for digital. So a, a separate power supply just for the digital. That's cool. The Oppo plays much better than the original. That that makes sense. <clears throat> I connect a DAC directly to the two monoblock amps via XLR cables. I built an attenuator using three resistors to operate the digital volume control of the Oppo at rather high levels around above six, 70% in order to lose as little resolution as possible. Okay. I mainly do streaming, Cobuzz uh, or a local NAS. And then he goes into his amps. His amps are awesome. Electro Company A, uh, AW600 Nemo, also somewhat modified. New power inlet, new internal cabling. These are really powerful and heavy. Solid state amps, 1,200 watts into four ohms. However, the design is 20 years old, and I don't know how old my two babies are. Uh, he bought them used. I already had to replace the relays at the speaker outputs, and I'm not sure whether other parts could have degraded, maybe the electrolytic capacitors. Well, you can pop it open. I'm sure as a DIYer, you have an idea of how to kind of eyeball a stressed-out electrolytic. You know, it's got a bulge generally at the top mm-hmm. or the bottom. Sometimes it looks flat on the top, but it's leaning. And yeah. then you kind of like lean it over and you look and the bulge is on the bottom. Um, I've recently mentioned that occasionally when these things are so bad or they haven't been used for years and they, they just dry up. <clears throat> yep, exactly. And and you can also look for just kind of like uh, discoloration of the caps too. Like if right. they've been hit with a lot of heat, you know, so not not necessarily just old, which would you know, maybe tend lean towards them bulging, but, um, but something that is just hit with a lot of heat can, can be slightly discolored. Like if there was white writing that is now like slightly yellow, um, that could be a sign of, uh, the cap being introduced to, uh, above normal amount Mm. of heat and Mm -hmm. that would age the cap. 
and dry it out sooner. So you need to um, be cautious of that. So that could be something just to keep in mind, you know, perhaps given the age you are in that area where you might want to start thinking about, you know, finding a local technician to, uh, to re redo the caps or, you know, I can't recommend this directly, but you said you're into DIY. Maybe that's something that you feel comfortable with doing yourself. So, yeah, if you can access the boards again, it's, you have to feel comfortable and we're not encouraging anybody that doesn't feel comfortable to do so, but it's, it's, it's something that, uh, is pretty straightforward if you're a, uh, audio technician yeah pulling caps and popping them back in you know it's pretty Mm -hmm. straightforward um it's important to match the right voltages and temperatures and that kind of thing but um okay now we get to his speakers speakers are mbl these are the speakers he was talking about that captured his heart mbl Mm -hmm. 101e mark ii yep what a speaker huh yeah it's a it's a fun one yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, you know, one of the classic uh, and most high-end uh, omnidirectional speakers in the world. Ones that capture your fascination because it just yeah. looks at things a totally different way. Uh-huh. And and you always say, "What they could do that?" You know? Yeah, they're holographic. Yeah, they did that. Holographics is the word is the word for those speakers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a true omni pattern is is really yeah. remarkable because it's it's so room independent. Um, it can be. I mean, it's just the the patterns and the reflections are much more randomized um, because they're not coming from a single source in a single direction and kind of influenced by a big delta between the the front wave and what gets echoed to the back and that kind of thing. It's it's so dispersed that it's. That's- and that's given that it's a it's a good room if it's a bad room that has a lot of slap and a lot of that it's actually it's actually the worst case scenario is it right i mean ver- versus a direct uh, speaker that's highly directional you know that has sure. takes the room out of the or picture. S- or something's got a no, figure eight just, pattern yeah, that, as, that would totally null on the sides right, absolutely right, right. There, as, there could be as you get into omnidirectional speakers you could have in some situations where the room actually matters a lot more because uh, because literally you're hearing more of the room than a speaker that has some directionality to it to some degree. Um, but uh, but I do understand your other point about it being more randomized. So yeah, and, and it's it's really the placement yeah. is is less picky. It's just yeah. kind of like you can. You can put them in places that that you would never be able to with with more directional speakers. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. He uses biowiring to connect his speakers. He says they're very demanding and have a low sensitivity, eighty one dB. Whoa. Last week we were talking about Klipsch, you know, Lascalas with approaching one hundred five dB. Yeah. Uh, this is a different ball game. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we love about this hobby, you know. It, there's a million ways to skin the cat, but it's like you could, you could do things so differently than your your friend who also loves and listens to high end music and loves high end electronics. Mm-hmm. You can come together on certain things, but but you're gonna need such different components to power these babies than anybody thinking about a La Scala, you know, that kind of thing. It's fun. Cables and power supply. I use decent cables, including Furtech and DIY power cables. Kimber Select for XLR and speakers. I use a Lab 12 
Gordian power filter unit. Lab 12s from Greece. I like them. Actually, I've been listening to integrated theirs. It's awesome. Also modified to some degree. Oh, and I've, I've heard about the Gordian. I, I'm really actually interested in their um, power line conditioner. Um, but it connects to a separate circuit on his power distribution. So he's got a <clears throat> dedicated audio uh, circuit. Decoupling. I've had some very good results with decoupling my speakers and components. I use a Townsend podium for the speakers and spring footers with damping for the other components. Some people are really into springs. Yeah. There's a whole spring crowd. Hmm. I haven't really got into that. We, you know, we've been talking a lot about Sorba thing. We're the Sorba thing uh, guys. Uh, I'm we seeing, we don't talk I don't to the spring I'm guys. I'm seeing some stuff you in did. your you eyes. You there. saw a little bit of a twinkle. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm going to have to try the springs maybe. Duncan looks up. He's just like. You know, we really haven't tried the spring thing. Yeah, you know what we haven't tried? Springs, man. Really haven't tried springs. Um, I listen mainly to acoustic music, jazz and classical music, but also, sorry, but also older rock music, okay? The listening room is around 44 square meters. It's L-shaped. Okay, so he is in an interesting room. And the stereo system is placed on one arm of the L being 3.7 meters wide. Okay, speakers are placed 2.4 meters apart, and my listening position is about the same distance from the speakers. Since the room was pretty resonant, lots of windows, tile floor, I installed installed acoustic curtains at the windows, which brought down the reverberation time, I measured it before and after, from about 0.8 seconds to about 0.4 to 0.5 seconds. Pretty decent, about in half. If you're interested, I could send you a report about this treatment, including measurement results and recordings, however it's in German. My German's not good enough for that, but um, I don't know. Actually, we could translate. We'd be interested in that. Um, Harold, thank. Uh, here's my question. I'm really very satisfied with my system. I usually get good resolution, 3D imaging, dynamics, lifelike, organic, and natural sound, good tonal balance. However, there's one thing that I can't totally get rid of. For loud, complex passages like tutti sections in a classical orchestra or loud parts of rock music. The system loses part of its resolution and sounds a little compressed. I was able to improve this with some measures, especially power cables and power outlets and plugs and decoupling of the speakers. However, the effect is still there. What are your thoughts? Would you rather think that it's the, on the amp side, like I should try another amp or even try by amping or on the source side, using a better DAC or try using a preamp? Or could it be the room acoustics and the placement of the speakers? Thanks for your answer, Harold. Had to well, read it. What, really cool system. What is the what is the current preamp again? So he uses the Oppo direct as direct. a preamp, and then he made a passive sort of a, a three position passive pre. So he's three volume right. volume spots. That's right. Right, okay. three different resistors, so it's like a really minimal stepped attenuator. But yeah, but that's that's a thought I had as well. You we, know, I, I think I start off with that. Um, this is a difficult question, right? This is right, um, right. But, and one one reason is because um, we were trying to figure out exactly, you know, what you mean by compress, just because there are so many ways that people use that word, right? Um, and you know, mastering engineers are going to use, use it one way. And then a lot of audiophiles use it another way. And I've just heard it, uh, used in so many different ways that, yeah. um, 
that sometimes it's hard to understand what people actually mean by that. But, but I think I know what y- you mean. And, um, and in, and in, there's two different ways I see it is that the, that the system start, stops losing dynamic expression during those passages and isn't able to really, uh, you know, it just sounds like it's completely leveled off, which would be pretty much like the mastering definition of compression where you're limiting the peaks, right? And it's becoming, the dynamic range is becoming extremely limited well, at those loud moments. You're talking to a master um, engineer. I can use the term compression to just, when I've talked about parallel compression, to only lift the quiet parts. Right. It's yeah. still compressing it's dynamics. Still yeah. But I'm not limiting the top. Anyway, but right. just explaining that there's some there's many different ways of yes yeah. so <clears throat> so you know in that situation i i don't want to rule out that your system is is very revealing your system is very it, very good and highly resolved uh is there a chance that you know some of the recordings like it's actually in the recording because you mentioned that you're hearing you mentioned two different you know? things you mentioned loud parts of rock music and if there's anything yeah, I know, a about. lot of it's compressed. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, there a lot of it's going to build to a crescendo. Um, going to have a part where they let loose because that's rock and roll, man. And you don't want to rob the rest of the recording by having it be dynamically limited just by nature of not having a dynamic range that's as impressive as those last thirty seconds or something like yeah. that. And it's got to play on the radio. It's got to, yeah. But even if you listen to non-radio stuff, they're still going to touch it a little bit so that the bulk of the song you enjoy. It's it's not that you're only going to enjoy that 30 seconds when it's the right dynamics and it's really showing you. I shouldn't use radio. Probably iPhone would be the better way of putting it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, if it's modern, it's got to play on on a Bluetooth speaker or something, you know. Oh, because radio is an anachronism. Hey, man, I still listen to radio. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's We're on the radio right now in a way. Sort of, Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean... um, so there could be just a re- you could be hearing recording flaws that you previously did not hear, but I don't want to say that's necessarily the case. So let's just let's just say that uh, as a possibility. Um, and uh, but uh, here here's a here is another one. If and then I'll let you uh, sure kind of chime in here. But my my last idea is that. Um, if if it start if the system feels like it's starting to just like flake apart in those higher passages, like all the imaging goes away and it stops it stops um, being able to articulate uh, imaging and and spatial cues and all of that, like it just seems like it completely loses focus in those moments and then comes right back when it gets quieter. Um, I will say that that to me sometimes can be a sign of the amplifier struggling. Mm. Um, you're dealing with, uh, intermodulation distortion. Mm. Uh, the amplifier is really struggling to, to, uh, supply clean power to the load. Um, so, you know, some of that could be amplifier-related issues uh, if you get that 
kind of falling apart effect. Um, so, uh, you know, they are extraordinarily demanding the drive. I mean, 81, uh, insensitivity is super low. I mean, you're down in the, you know, the magna pan below magna pan. It's low uh, sensitivity. Yeah. So, uh, so it's going to take a lot, even though the amplifier is a very high wattage, Something I noticed about that amplifier is that if you look at the distortion curves, um, it, it actually, uh, the distortion rises fairly uh, quickly, um, which can be a, a, an actual good sign as far as some of the circuit uh, decisions that are done in the amplifier, but it's bad as far as being able to supply clean power for throughout its whole range of its rated power, which is 1200 Watts into four and 600 into eight. So, um, so you may not be able to get, uh, all of the power that is fully clean out of that amplifier, but at the lower ranges, it is clean. Um, so that's where, you know, perhaps maybe by wire or by amping, uh, is something you want to mess around with. Just make sure that, what other amp you put on the top or the bottom has the same uh, voltage gain as as the uh, the amp that you have now, dude. It's um, uh, sorry to jump in. Eighty one dB at two point eight three volts at four ohms. At four ohms, so it's so even lower. Even so it's even lower. lower. It's in the seventies into eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's it basically it just drive. takes it just takes uh, more than one watt to get to to eighty one dB. Um, so it's, it's hard. It's very, very, very hard, to very drive. hard to drive all fourth order crossovers. Um, yeah. So, and then, so the, the, the last thing I want to leave you at is that, uh, preamps just do incredible things. Um, active preamps. Okay. Not passive preamps. So that's the last little, that's kind of like in order. That's, that's my, rundown here um and i'm sure the preamp is on your list as well but i'm not sure so i don't know what do you think the only thing i because i agree with everything you said and we're kind of um figuring this out together just in terms of the staggering load that this is basically like driving a a, a boulder or something you know yeah like, yeah um but ba- not a boulder amp but an actual rock yeah, yeah right giant an rock. actual rock um like a rock yeah, there you go um good song See how that sounds actually in the in your room. Uh, so you said that you've got a big L-shaped room. So I just don't think it's going to be because there seems to be a good amount of pressure release in there. I, I just don't think it's going to be the room, you know, causing too much uh, at, at 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 high amplitudes, causing too many. I don't know, uh, too high of an amplitude of the background information, as we know the. The brain processes as foreground information, the information that's at least, what was the figure, 6 to 11 milliseconds, depending on your your brain, I think closer to 10 milliseconds, difference between the uh, direct energy and the reflected energy. Our brain decides that's background and and it's fill uh, information. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think these this room is coming to the uh into the equation in terms of getting too small for what you're trying to do now i i have heard 
demonstrations of MBL radial strollers and the the extremes in the MBL rooms at shows where they have their giant amplifiers, their coffee table sized amplifiers, and five of them arranged out in front, and they have a demonstration that with such dynamics and such power that standing outside you do think there's a band playing in the room and then you crack the window door open and oh it's just mbl radial straller extremes you know um very cool what they can do i am familiar with this model and it is a little bit more of a a home speaker you know it's mm-hmm. it's um it's a beautiful wonderful uh speaker so i you know i i don't know i i uh i agree with your assessments darren um that's my only addition and it's not not much when i think I think what we're hearing when you mentioned rock um, is a little bit of resolution that shows what's actually happening in the recording. It could be a, a number of, of a few of these. It's hard. It's hard to ignore the sensitivity factor. We've had a yeah. podcast um, where you've discussed the difference between 81 dB at one watt at one meter versus 81 dB at 2.83 volts. That usually does not disclose the the ohms and yeah. the actually load and there's probably measurements here oh there are but i i you know i'm just curious about the the impedance um graph um it's it's pretty difficult yeah what's it like at high frequency does it go down or does it go up now impedance, impedance which one's impedance frequency. and which one's usually dotted his face okay dotted his face yeah. so it's right about 25 hertz it shoots up to about 17 ohms okay um, okay yeah that's the resonance okay that's the resonance and then, and then what it about dips, at high frequency dips down to about three at about 80 ohms looks like and then at high frequency i'll show you it's got a rising characteristic toward the top um but that's okay. after a, I see. a a dip back down to four yeah but it basically needs mega amps for it yep. to perform the best mm-hmm. um class d is not going to do great on this right um given the rising impedance at the top would you say i mean class d is going to be able to uh it depends on what class it depends on what class d it okay. is yeah i mean but um but, but, but yeah, you guts. know, NBL actually uses, they actually have several class D amplifiers, um, built around, uh, end course. Do they? Yes. Um, and I've heard these speakers on Encore um, before and, uh, and I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wasn't like crazy about the combination, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about bad about that i mean i i I don't think that it was too far out of line too far out of neutral that you know they're not thinking straight it's just not my my uh preference you know i i it was a little bit hard sounding for me Mm -hmm. um with the class d plus these speakers uh this the amplifier that he has probably is a lot soft more softer and more musical yeah um and uh so, so, you know, what I would recommend that's a possibility is this, is that you, uh, you find a class D amp, um, like what I would recommend is what you could do is you could get something like, uh, purifies, um, which are better than encores and you could run those on the bottom, on the bottom by amp and 
then come up with a way of uh, matching the gains between that and your uh, your Nemo amp on the top, and uh, and that could be a really cool combination because then you take all the all the stress off the amp and you allow your amp to really shine on the top. Um, so that that's an option. Um, but uh, yeah. folks can look up these graphs on. Um, that's just a stereophile, as you know, with stereophile, mm-hmm. they always measure it. Question for you, the designer: How does that come up to nominal four? Isn't four supposed to be an average? But it seems like it uh, hits four yeah, a well, few they, times. Yeah, they don't always just it. average it. Um, they just kind of look at where it's at for most of the range and most of the usable range too. Um, so it's, uh, it, you know, that's, yeah, nominal is not average. It's I certainly not. I wouldn't call that nominal four. I would call it like eight. I would, know. yeah, I mean, it's, it's four or six. I mean, you know, the, like I said, there's no, uh, there's no hard rule around yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, they just gotta isn't. pick a number. Yeah. And I think that they rather pick four than six just so that so that people get people serious understand that it's, about it's a hard it. load. Yeah. 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 That's um, interesting. Uh, so, so anyways, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I recommend. Um, if you want a, actually a great, a version of, um, a purifies, uh, that you can buy for, you know, not a lot of money. And also you could just like return them. There's a company called VTV that, uh, that makes uh, purify based amplifiers uh, for not much money and you can like return them too. So uh, that, that could be something you could try to throw on the bottom. Um, I don't know. I don't think that you would prefer them on top versus your new, the amp that you have now, but, um, but you could put them on the bottom drive, the, the bottom half of the speaker uh, with those and see what you think. Yeah. Anyways, that that's an option. Um, Apollo Audio yeah. also makes VTV, uh, or sorry, Apollo Audio also makes Purify amps, and they have the uh, Purify, the Sonic Imagery Labs, and the Sparkos input yeah. options and that kind of thing. So it's 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 kind of there's companies yeah. out there that have product that you can go try, and it's not yes. too not too spendy. So yeah, so so great, anyways, great that, idea. that's um, that's the option. Just make sure to get the voltage gains right. You have to match them. So right, yeah. Get them to 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 actually work with each other. That's that's well within your capability as a experienced DIYer. Yeah, you can use Carol. an attenuator before the amplifier that has the higher gain. Right, bring it down. Easy enough. Yep. Well, thank you for writing, Harold. Um, appreciate you listening in Germany. It sounds like a really killer system. Uh, we we wanted to read this in part because it's really cool sounding system, and it's just kind of something for folks to drool over and, and kind of think about and get inspired by because we were inspired by your yeah. journeys and your system there. It sounds really cool. Thanks oh, for it. And just to add one thing, too, um, I know that purifies, but they're coming out with their 1,200-watt modules soon. That's that. huge because so far it's just so that's, 400, right? That's an option, yeah. And then also um, we sell at PS Audio, we sell the M1200 uh, that is tubed. Um, that is going to be, you know, more musical than any just, um, you know, plain class D amplifier that doesn't have any sort of tubed input stage. Darren's so, being modest. Uh, he, he designed it and it's a really killer sounding amp, but you've got them on all of your subwoofers and it is 
oh, astonishingly uh, good. Bass wise, um, it's it's w- the best amplifier in in the low end that I've ever heard yep. ever. Yep. Um, so, uh, so anyways, that's another option for you. Um, those two options. I was just thinking about the power, and I'm kind of thinking, well, the purified modules only it's only four hundred. It's only right four hundred into four. So I, you know, I mean, even though most of the time that's fine. In your situation, I would just think about going a little bit higher. Matching so these, you might want to look at companies. the the twelve hundred watt options, yep. which is uh, we at PS Audio have an option there for you. In, at, in that monoform, also we yeah. can, you know, you could do a return um, on that as well if you didn't like it. Uh, and then also that Purify is coming out with twelve hundred watt modules. That's another option uh, if you like something a little bit more musical. The uh, the Stellar M1200 might be right a better option for you. So. Uh, the Absolute Sound Product of the Year Award mm-hmm. for t- 2021, which, of course, congratulations, Darren, of Thank course. Thank you. But, yeah, it's Thank well-deserved. You. It's an absolutely killer amp. Thanks for writing, Harold. Best of luck with that system. Let's get into this week's topic. So we wanted to talk about preparedness and, you know, preparing for the worst. Um and it, that could mean a lot of different things depending on where you live, as we were we were talking. I grew up in Florida. I shared, you know, that friends' houses wouldn't directly get struck by lightning, but a tree next to them would because you get pine tree, you got pine trees all over yeah. in certain places, and it'll jump right to the house, you know, off the tree and not mm-hmm. even go to the ground. It'll go uh, somewhere easier of a path to ground, but it, it somehow impact the the grid or the 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 system at the house and um and whack your components you know particularly sensitive stuff my story that i was sharing with you was plasma tvs plasma tvs were like you know it was kind of new and it was very high power and it was very sensitive you know Mm -hmm. but we we've got a lot of stuff that can be sensitive you know to electricity um, right electricity spikes yeah, so I think that that's the most uh, common and most likely scenario uh, that you really have to watch out for, which is, um, you know, thunderstorms. I mean, that that's the definitely the most common thing. I mean, in, in uh, I grew up in North Carolina, which is kind of considered the the southeast as well in the United States, and yeah. and in the summertime, every night you get a thunderstorm. It's just it's so humid there that by the time the sun's going down, uh, you know, storm clouds are rolling in and you get these like wicked thunderstorms where you get lightning and, and heavy winds, um, sometimes. So what, what can happen is that you can either get, uh, some sort of lightning strike, uh, that can damage your components or you can get intermittent, uh, uh, electricity, outs. you know, yeah. like where, where you get, uh, uh yeah, brownouts, like essentially where y- y- electricity is cut off and then it comes back on or it's, then it cuts off again and comes back on just intermittent situations. Yeah. And what happens in a scenario where all the electricity, uh, on the grid is, it uh, goes down and then comes back up is that right when it comes back up, it's having to charge everything all at once. 
And right. what that means is that you have this like massive inrush uh, current that happens. So a current that is many, 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 many times the the standard uh, settling load, like after the inrush stops, um, that current that is uh, the normal load it, uh, uh, is dramatically lower than the actual inrush current itself. So what that means is that with any sort of like uh, inductive uh, traits in the grid, uh, when when the uh, when you get that inrush current, you also have the the capacity for there to be a massive voltage spike after that. Okay. Um, and so you you actually the in inrush doesn't really take the components because that's more so of what the grid has to deliver to the system, but the voltage spike that follows that gotcha. can, is what actually damages your components exceeds the voltage rating of of uh, of some components inside of the of the uh, of the of the uh, the component and it can actually damage uh, uh, parts inside of your you briefly get European voltages on U.S. circuits, right? Which is not good. No, yeah, because the, if it's a linear, especially if it's a linear power supply, which a lot of our higher end components are are linear, um, it, that means that the actual localized voltages can uh, can go way beyond what the regulators can stand. Um, or for instance, or the capacitors are rated for, and that can cause those components to fail. Um, yeah, I like to, the, the, I was, I was just thinking while you're talking about that because, um, we like to keep our gear on cause it sounds better. Right. Right. And then audio files, a lot of them, if you've got a power conditioner or something, you're going to put your sources on it, but you put your amp in the wall so that it doesn't have a so it's the lowest input and its lowest impedance of of power, right? So that it mm-hmm. can kind of have the best dynamics. So, you know, a lot of power conditioners might have something called an MOV, yeah, um, which is self-healing. To a num, you can take a number of these spikes and 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 protect, yeah, before it has any issues. But right, and so what what the MOV is doing? MOVs are they're called um, metal oxide varistors. Varistors, yeah. And so what what they are is they're a uh, essentially a resistor that varies with voltage. So, for instance, at you know 120 volts or 230 volts, depending on the region, they act uh, like they're super high resistance in these scenarios. But as soon as the voltage goes way up, like if you get a, a, a voltage spike of a, a thousand volts, for instance, um, they're going their resistance is going to plummet really quickly, and it's going to actually pull down and shunt that shunt that voltage down. Hmm. So if you if you were to put a big resist, for instance, just because of that source. It doesn't have any way of driving that thousand volts, right? That's more sort right. of a potential that the line is spiking to. Yeah. But if you have a localized, 
you know, really low impedance, it can shunt that voltage down really quickly. Because there's no load for it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So because you're increasing current, that means you decrease, uh, you can decrease the voltage over a, a high source impedance. Gotcha. And that can actually save the components. So that's kind of what uh, MOVs are doing. Um, so, so anyways, uh, the best way to protect your system, uh, the number one way is that when you know that you're getting lightning or you're in an event where you might have a power outage, the number one rule, unplug the system. There's, there's no way that you can have better protection than that. Yeah, just don't have um, so, you know, shut the system off, unplug it from the wall. You're good to go. It's just worth it. You know, um, if you if you know that you're going to receive a power outage, uh, there are scenarios like this, uh, such as the scenario that we just went through, which is the reason why we thought about this topic. Yeah. Um, where both of us unplugged both of our systems no i i did not i wasn't oh, able to here i wasn't able to get home oh. my system was on my system was on <laughs> yeah um but we got back while there was still power but we didn't know if it was shut off during the fire it was was it yeah it was yeah my my power went out gotcha. you know fortunately my my gear survived um but uh but you know you're not always fortunate and you don't always know those conditions you don't know whether the power is going to be flickering on and off really quickly which there's just that opens up a whole nother what's the amplifier doing when it's getting hit with really quick on and off yeah. cycles like is it throwing dc bursts at the speaker because it never was designed to cycle that quickly who knows right you don't know these these type of conditions um yeah. and how it's going to react to them so uh, so th- there are some scenarios, like for instance, I, I know in hurricanes, I remember uh, the really bad ones. You just know you're going to lose power, right? Oh yeah. You just you want to unplug the system. Um, you know, uh, we both knew, for instance, to unplug our systems for the the fire. I wasn't able to, but I know that you know we had talked about. It. I was just like, yeah, I wish I was yeah. home to unplug my system. Right. And you were like, yeah, I already did. I was like, ah, yeah. But, um, so we always do this, um, and, you know, if you're having a significant lightning event, you definitely want to unplug your system, too. We we can get heavy snows here that will uh, drop the power. Actually, we mm-hmm. were sheltering in, in Lafayette, and um, in North Lafayette, uh, evacuated, and that night, the, the night of the fires, um, our power went out, and it was because of wind or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... If if you're there and the power goes out, then you can unplug your system because, like you said, it's 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 when it comes back on that's that's the mm-hmm. st- stressful period for yep. components. So if you if you're witnessing it, you still have you know some time to go yank it. I was also thinking this is if you do live in like North Carolina where it's a regular occurrence, that there's an argument for a tube amp where you don't you can you can kind of always unplug it and you don't have to worry about it not sounding its best because it always warms up because you always turn off tube amps right solid state amps you just keep on right Mm -hmm. tube amps heat themselves and get to their operating temperature pretty quickly and so just from the that audiophile you know point of view of like uh you know i want to 
I, I don't want to do this every single night. I also don't want to plug my amp into a, into a, uh, uh, you know, some kind of surge protector or something and limit its, uh, dynamics in, in any way or whatever, even as small as it might be with some of those things, but just, I don't know, just a thought, but yeah, we get, we get outages for heavy snow, wind out here. I mean, it's, it's a tough environment. There's certain areas where there's a lot of buried power lines, so it's a lot better, but, uh, mm. still, still a situation, you know, to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know that many right now listening to this and they're like, yeah, I do the same thing. You know, it's, it's a good, uh, it's good to have a reminder. It's, it's sure. great. It's great to remember about this. You don't want to um, come back to it and turn it on and have, and see the nut, see nothing. Right. It's like, um, yeah. so th- the next thing that you can do, uh, concerning power outages and, um, any sort of like lightning events is, uh, you can of course protect your system with, um, you know, have surge protection yeah. in there. Right. And that's, that's really what, you know, the surges are talking about, uh, you know, any of these events that can occur, whether it's lightning or any sort of, is it really talks about when they, when they mean, when they're talking about a surge, they're, they're referring to an overvoltage event. Yeah. There's no such thing of an overcurrent event unless your components actually fail and then they start pulling a lot of current and then they pop the fuse. Then right? they pop that's the fuse, not, which hopefully that's your not fuses related. Are, are adequately rated. And, right. right. That, that's not really re- related to a, a surge. A surge is more so of a, of a overvoltage event. So, so there are devices on the market that do protect against surges to some extent. And, and to what extent varies depending on what the, the you know the quality of the device the quality of the MOV that's in there. Um, there are different different ones at different you know different prices. You know you could you can buy one for fifty cents and you can buy one for four dollars. You know and they're different. Those are different devices. You can put um, one by the breaker called a whole home surge protector. And it's a self-healing one. It takes oh, longer than the than the MOV. And I don't know what its its composition is or what it's mm-hmm. made of. But I've um, I've been uh, recommended that by by someone that I've talked to about this kind of thing before. That's gone through it. Um, you know, that's the fuse thing was maybe just my last point. If you if you're like us and you're adventurous and you take a swing on some modified used hi-fi gear it could be worth it to just double check that all the fuses are the right ratings that are in there that's a great point i remember for the first time pulling out what should be a 6.25 amp fuse in the Mm -hmm. audio research d115 that you and i modified we each have one and mine was a 20 amp and you're just like, why is this in there? Mm-hmm. Except that we kind of got the sense that it was a real parts bin thing. It was like what was lying around. The guy felt, whoever had it last, could be a girl, um, felt confident that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, circuit's not going to fail. So I'll just, I only have this, so I'll just chuck it in. Um, but yeah, it's important to just to just know for peace of mind that you've that's got a, them all rated. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, the number one job... Uh, for a fuse is to not create fire, right? That's the number one job. Now, 
uh, there are another job that may not be primary uh, is to also save the component as well. Yeah. So if the fuse can fail before some other component overheats uh, or, you know, is damaged inside of the electronic component, then, um, then that fuse has really done its job. And so, uh, there are, you know, the fuse can also save you in some of these events as well. Um, so that, that's a great, that's a really great point. Um, and of course having like, you know, a fuse that's rated four times the, uh, the current that it's supposed to can also, again, it can cause an actual fire. Um, so you never want to do that. A, a fuses, fuse values that are spec'd from the manufacturer, they've done that for a very specific reason. Um, and, uh, and you should definitely keep the fuse exactly the same as what the manufacturer specs. And they can be hard to read. You get a magnifying glass mm-hmm. out if you need to. It's just, it's just that important. T means time. That always means slow blow. So, you know, if just to help, you know, folks, uh, I guess interpret all this stuff. Uh, if you ever see the T on there, that's that's slow blow, and you, you can look up manuals and find out is this supposed to be slow blow. In 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 it, a lot of cases, it's slow, but there are cases where you want to fast. So yep. So that so there's um again there's ways to protect your system yeah. from surges, like anywhere from power bars that that say there are surge protectors that really aren't very good at all, um, to, uh, devices like the, um, like the Niagara, uh, from AudioQuest and, uh, PS audio regenerators. I was say, your power plants have MOVs in them, right? Very serious MOVs. Yeah. yeah we, yeah. we spend uh, top dollar on the best MOVs that we can get to, right. uh, to protect. And they don't just, uh, th- these MOVs don't just have the MOV protection, but they also have an ability for us to, uh, they tell our microprocessor that something is going on. Mm, and so not okay. only is the MOV, uh, you know, lowering its resistance and shunting that voltage spike, but at the same time, our processor is, um, is, is, uh, being notified uh, of this over voltage and is doing all these other precautionary things of shutting down the outputs yeah. before something nasty gets to Killer. gets to the components yeah. that are connected to the power plant. So the power plants are insanely effective of uh, of surge protection and are going to be, you know, uh, I don't want to say necessarily better than anything else on the high end market. They're just as good as anything else on the high end market. Uh, and way better than stuff that is cheaper yeah, than that. Makes sense. Um, so, uh, so, you know, we've, we've, uh, spent a lot of time designing, uh, correct, uh, uh, power surge protection into those products and made them, uh, certainly, uh, uh, just as good as the best on the market. Let's, uh, let's talk about another disaster. Let's talk about water floods. Of many kinds. Um, I don't know why we get such interesting weather here, but uh, I think it was 2013 and we got a, a flood that what it was it's was... It's not fire, it's water. You know? I know. What it was was uh, 
So it wasn't the thousand year flood that's that's um predicted in some almanac or whatever for this region and and there's a lot of preparation and diversion and basins built into this area to handle this event uh supposed eventuality where every thousand years we get a, a water cycle that overflows the reservoir that's hanging above the well above the city actually to, at the next city above denver in the area sorry above boulder in the mountains at Nederland, that that would cause it all to either overflow the dam or break the dam from the pressure and and just wash the whole city of of boulder um there's a lot of preparation in place for that what we had in 2013 they thought it was that at the time but it turned out it was a a thousand year rain it wasn't it wasn't the 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 flood um still flooded still had enough water it rained solidly for three or four days um without stop and so um we had rivers being diverted going down mountains Mm. uh you know houses coming unmoored and floating down the river and you know all kinds of crazy stuff and one of the things that happened here, which is interesting in a mountainous area, is that you have a really uh, rocky and uneven uh, water table. Now, I remember growing up in Florida, water tables so close to the ground. Mm-hmm. Most of the places I lived, I could take a shovel, start digging down, go a, a foot down, and it'd start getting wet. Just anywhere you are, you know, in Florida. It's just so low. Um, and that was when I was growing up, you know, and so it's just different here, depending on where you are, what we learned after this flood was you have one house where the basement got flooded next house over basements, not flooded next house over the basement's flooded. And you just have these ridges and undulations in the, in the water table that were impossible to predict. And so if your basement if you have a basement system, so I started thinking, okay, of disasters and stuff like that. And I, I'm picturing basement systems and, um, this kind of thing wasn't kind of like one of those floods that blast through the windows. It, it came up from the, from the cracks in the foundation. It seeped in from the ground and rose up and took out carpets and never got too high in a lot of cases, but it caused a lot of damage that people had to replace. Hmm. And my first thought was if your system's on the ground, you know, on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, as, as it could be, mm-hmm. you should see my base, my basement's an audio files basement because my wife doesn't like to go down there. There's, it's kind of cold and, and, and loud with the furnace and all that stuff. So it's kind of my hanging out area and it's cables and supplies everywhere, tools everywhere, <laughs> subwoofers on the ground components you know on the ground because i'm burning in this other component and i'm just running this cd player for for three weeks solid on this you know on this cd and and so um you know it's stuff to think about and then that led me to thinking about the water heater that's right next to this stuff right next to the furnace also on the ground so that was one of the things i did before i left was i took uh, Bascom's amp that he gave me and I brought, took it off the floor cause I had it temporarily on the floor when I, cause I just moved it there. And uh, I had remembered a story from back way back when I worked at PS audio, um, of a customer in dire straits and, and, um, 
and and it was based on having components on the floor, right? I mean, this stuff is real, and it happens. And you and I have seen pictures, um, tragic pictures, actually. You know, when you're yes. looking at when you're looking at a piece of gear, and it doesn't matter how it flooded, if if it's on on the floor in a compromised area like that, or or kind of like a risky area like that, um, it can happen. And this was also rung true for me this weekend because I had to winterize the home because there wasn't any gas and no electricity. And so I had to drain all the water out of the whole system, which meant draining the uh, water tank. And this thing took two and a half hours to drain. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't drain very fast, but it was it took wow. two and a half hours. And I, I realized later I didn't really need to be there once I realized, once I felt confident in the drains that I was using that right. they weren't going to back up or of whatever. Course. Yeah. But I was there, you know, because mm-hmm. I'd never done this before. And so I'm watching it the whole time. I'm like, come on, in two and a half hours. It was 50 gallons. I mean, that's a lot mm-hmm. of water. Mm-hmm. And that'll that that'll just cause some havoc. There's a lot of steel in uh, in in amplifiers, right? I mean, there's steel in lots of our components. And mm-hmm. Not always stainless. Um, there's some iron. There's lots of iron. Yeah. So yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't want any of it. You know, flooding. <laughs> I don't want water anywhere near any of my stereo yeah. gear, even if it's off and unplugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're recommending, uh, you know, amp stands to kind of, yep. If you're just, a, if you're in a basement, which is prone to flooding, I use a coffee table that that's, yeah, that's you want the components slightly off the floor. Of Absolutely. Course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it, if, if it, the least thing that's ever going to happen is the water tank fails and the, mm-hmm. your water heater fails or, or a seal bursts or something, your TMP valve doesn't work and there's a problem. Um, you know, 50 gallons isn't going to make a giant, uh, flood in your basement, but it's going to make one heck of a mess and it's going to reach anything that's touching the floor. So that's just something to think about. Yeah. It just reinforced to me. And one of the things I thought about before leaving, I, I went downstairs and lifted that thing up and put it on the, on the little coffee table that I have that I put systems on and stuff, but you know, Still had the speakers on the ground, you know, and those are wood, probably MDF. And there can be priorities. You know, you can't do everything all the time. You need a basement system sometimes. Right. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, yeah, we, we see, you know, we see a lot of uh, component failures due to um, either, you know, uh, in rush related issues, uh, or surge, I should say surge related issues, or, or we do see tragic situations, uh, with flooding, uh, due to hurricanes. And, uh, that's one thing too, with, uh, when you're dealing with like a hurricane related flood is that, well, you may not want to, but, uh, you know, you, you do want to get, things off the floor uh if you're prepping for a hurricane and you're gonna be leaving your house it's worth uh, if you have monoblock amps on the floor it's worth just getting them a little bit off of that floor yeah bring um, them upstairs and put them on the table so you know a little Actually, bit of heavy to yeah. add another thing to hurricane prep yeah. just uh, of course i grew up in north carolina just you know i know that routine um especially when a 
category four or five is is uh, staring you down. Uh, you got ten thousand things to do around the house and secure everything outside. And do you ever to, plywood your windows? Uh, no, we weren't that close to the to the to the ocean, but um, yeah. uh, you know. There, there are a bunch of things that you have to do to prep for, uh, for one. And, and something yeah. you want to add to your list is, is to get the really precious gear off of the floor, especially if it's in, uh, you know, the bottom level of a home. Yeah. Uh, Cause you just never know what's going to follow that. Um, so, uh, so anyways, yeah, it's more so about a lot of this is just prepping for, uh, for a storm, knowing it's coming and thinking about your system and what to do about it because you can really, uh, it can be worth it and you can save save your system. Preparing for the worst and protecting your baby. Yeah. You know? That's that's basically it. That was on our minds this weekend. and It was. Again, thanks for everybody that reached out. We really appreciate and, and feel the, the um, community aspect that we've um, grown to love with this uh podcast it's why we're doing this podcast even though i've had three hours of sleep and (laughs) worked like a dog today and yeah we've had a but pretty crazy week so we really appreciate the support and uh i'm sure you can hear in our voice we're quite tired (laughs) yeah we're gonna make it (laughs) we only got one little segment left which is the The album album of of the the week. week all right this week um is great it's special it's uh it's an album that i have talked about i think i talked about in our most in our podcast with chris brunhaver called um there's no free lunch in audio which still stand is one of my favorite podcasts um and it is uh it was time for this album that i was talking about that i mastered for this band um like i mentioned it was a it was a self recording of this band. It's, um, kind of a home recording, I would say. Um, but as I've described the band that I I'm really fond of called the Riverside, they've just, um, they've always kind of done that. They've got this, um, homemade vibe a little bit. They've got this folk vibe. They've got this fleet foxes vibe, this Al Gregory Allen Ivanskoff kind of composition mm-hmm. sensibility, there's there's some Leonard Cohen and at least one of these tracks in terms of influence or or maybe just you know kind of that that same kind of feeling and so um I'm really proud of the album I'm proud of the band um I wouldn't say that it uh blows the doors off of some of the most exquisite recordings that we've highlighted on this show in terms of um you know, in terms audiophile of traits. ultimate audiophile, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. things. But one of the things you were pointing out was that it's such good music that mm-hmm. that it's like um, it would be really cool if if you and I got a chance to kind of do a minimalist recording style or, or just a really like every single detail focused on for ultimate fidelity and record this band. If we, if we had a chance to do that, they would, and say we had an audiophile like recording label, Mm -hmm. which down the road, we, you know, is something that Darren and I always want to do. 
um, that I've got a lot of experience recording, but you know, and we've, and we've dabbled in this, but it's just such a fun thing to really try to, to the nines, try to do it right. You know, direct to disc type of type of style. Mm -hmm. If we, if we had this band, this would be our, our best band, right? Because just Mm -hmm. all the elements come together. Um, great musicianship, great composition, poetry and lyrics. Um, uh, lots of a each album is a theme and um and there's so much cohesion because and i know this because a lot the arrangements and the compositions and the writing and the recording and mixing they all come from from one guy um this guy jake that i that i do mastering work for and i i just uh, appreciate the heck out of him and and really am always um so impressed so anyway the album's finally out it's um and and it is it's it sounds very good it's it's don't get me wrong it's not a bad sounding album it's just it's just intentionally trying to be very warm and and mm-hmm. homey and then um and then yeah, yeah it's got that yeah i liked vibe. it you played it for me uh, I mean, we played it on this on the system sounds sounds awesome man it actually nice does. work and congrats yeah, on the release i'm kind of like yeah. qualifying it i guess and maybe i shouldn't because it's really it's really a great album yeah it is so we're gonna uh recommend it's the the riverside's called mythos and petros and it's another one of jake's fascinating creations where you just pay attention to the lyrics and you get and you get this uh theme that's so uniform but colorful and and undulating throughout and then like i said there's compositions in there i would say my favorite track uh or a great track to start with is called sporos um it really was a great recording of that jake did of um you know there's some there's some great like kind of intimate feeling voc uh, uh guitar work and then of course uh the vocals are always great and um some of these tracks have such a great pounding deep bass line it's one of the things jake wanted was uh, a lot of sub bass um you know and so he's got this sub kick uh kicker kind of electronic trigger that triggers a sample that's just this really expansive like kind of room bass drum and that kind of thing um my favorite track compositionally and just music wise is called levy and uh i can't get enough of that song and i think it's just i think the world of it i surprised him incredibly by telling him that was my favorite you know it's Uh -uh. we always have this thing where he thinks he tries to guess which one I'm going to like first, uh, the most, and he never gets it right. Yeah. Um, yeah. As an artist, sometimes you can have an odd distortion. Well, you, you're of, so of in your it, stuff. Oh, in yeah. it, right? And, and then yeah. I swoop in and I spend two months with it and I fall in love with certain parts of it. Right. It's just going to be like, yeah. why? And, and it's what? personal. Yeah. It's very you know, personal. It's, it's very subjective. I, and I love that, that song because it's winsome in this way that doesn't try to force any of it. And, um, and the lyrics I think are just, just hit home. That's the one that reminds me of, uh, Leonard Cohen a lot. So, um, really love it. Cool. Here's the thing. It is, it is streaming in Spotify. Something about Cobuzz has kind of messed up the, the rollout right now. And it kind of shows it all in singles. So that's what you're going to have to do is Mm -hmm. discover it until, until we get that figured out. Um, I think it's a Cobuzz thing, but I'm not sure, but all the singles are there in Cobuzz. Just search for the Riverside. Uh, we'll also show 
and provide a link for this um, for all all listeners. Uh, it's going to be on our front page of our website and also on our albums page. And our website is www.thehifipodcast.net. Right now, it's there's like eight singles from it on Cobas, but they're all uh, they're high res files that I sent them. I did them all in 24 bit. Um, so that's it. It's really great. I'm, I'm excited cool. to do this one and uh, and recommend it. But I think that's been an episode. We need to get some rest. Yep. Um, we do. Thanks everyone for listening and reaching out again. And yeah. um, until the next one, this has been another High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And we'll catch you next week. Right. Bye. The High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor. And it's copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors. <laughs>